you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hello, Telltale. This is Trevor Bertzel of uh, Michigan. I have a question for you about the Bible. During the Bible had these prophets or whatever. They sort of predicted like what happened in the future. But since you're an atheist, how could you explain that? Like, how do you is, is it possible to disprove prophets? Like they predicted stuff like Hitler. Henry II, a lot of stuff that we're feeling currently. How do you disprove that? Thank you. And I love... Oh, I, I cut off the end. Let's listen to the end. Thank you. And I love your show. Okay, so this person is a fan. I felt that it was important to fit that in there. Uh, I appreciate the voicemail. Really interesting. Um, but I have to say, I'm not the one with the burden of proof with this stuff. Okay, so at the end, the question was... How do you disprove that? I don't have to disprove anything. A prophet, quote-unquote, is making claims about the Bible. They have to prove to me that they're correct. So the default position is not believing what they're saying. I don't feel that any of them have met the burden of proof to convince me that what they've, quote-unquote, prophesied is true. And the reason I don't feel that they've met their burden of proof is because prophecies have to be very, very specific. There's a model for what makes something a prophecy. Let me give you an example of a prophecy that the Bible claims that didn't actually happen, okay? In the Old Testament, it talks about a Messiah that's going to come and save the Jews, and he'll be riding in on a donkey and all of this other stuff, very specific stuff, right? Here's an example of something that's not a prophecy. These people from the New Testament found a guy and then made sure he met all of those requirements. They had him ride in on a donkey, for example. The Old Testament says he'll be born of a marriageable young woman. That's the actual word and what it translates to. It means marriageable young woman. But the writers of the New Testament misunderstood or misinterpreted or misread what the Old Testament was saying about Jesus. And they thought that it said he had to be born of a virgin. Incorrectly. So they went back and tried to make it fit, to make it look like Jesus was born of a virgin. It said that he would have to be born in Bethlehem. So the New Testament writers retroactively went back and tried to make up this fabricated story about why Jesus was actually from Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem by saying that Caesar ordered everybody who had been born or everybody who was from that area to come back for a census. What? That has never happened in the history of ever, first of all. That would be hard enough to do in the modern age with modern technology. This is like... 2,000 years ago, they didn't have the internet. They, they barely had a fucking mail system back then. How would anybody find out that they were supposed to go back to the city where their grandparents were born or their parents were born or whatever? And how would they even know what city their parents were born in? Do you know which city your parents were born in? I happen to know mine, but it, they're two different states and two different cities, and they had nothing to do with where I grew up. Never even been to the cities where my parents were born. I only know those places because I saw it on my birth certificate. They didn't have birth certificates like that back then, 2,000 years ago. Point is, the Bible lists these prophecies out, right? And then later, in later books, it fabricates explanations for why it was correct in the first place. A prophecy, to be a real prophecy can't be spoken to anybody until after the events take place. Can't be told, or else it'll be contaminated, or else they'll try to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it has to be very, very nuanced and specific, with specific events and dates and times listed. 
And if, it, if those qualifications are met, then I would consider it to be a fulfilled prophecy. None of that has ever happened throughout the history of time, as far as I can tell. And even then, I would say there's a non-zero chance that it, it, it's a coincidence. The more specific it is, the less of a chance that it's a coincidence. Now, I noticed in the voicemail you also mentioned that the Bible predicts Hitler and Henry VIII or something like that. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Is that like Bible code stuff? Where like if you take like the second letter of the fifth verse of the third chapter of every book in the Bible and you put them all together, then it spells out a code? I don't know anything about that, but you can literally make anything say anything if that's how you're doing it. Like you can make Moby Dick predict space travel if you wanted. There is no reason to think that that's accurate or that the Bible did that intentionally or otherwise. Uh, hey, I was wondering if there were like, if as a Jehovah's Witness, there were like special, special games that y'all would play or, or did y'all just play like the normal board games or like what, what was it in that regard? When I was a Jehovah's Witness, were there any special games? I found that to be so particularly interesting because Mennonites actually do have like special games. I forget what they're called. Um, it's a card game. It's, they, they use special cards for it. Dutch something or other. Anyways, Jehovah's Witnesses don't really have any games like that. But when I was in it, there were a couple of requirements with this kind of thing. First of all, you could never play games like that with somebody that wasn't already a Jehovah's Witness. It was really, really important. They also had a talent show kind of thing. My congregation did anyways. It was once a year. And I have heard from other people that their congregations had talent shows also. So you would get up on stage and you would do some talent that you had. I think I played guitar one year. There was a less than reputable family in my congregation who was kind of on the downswing in their Jehovah's Witness career, and they would always throw parties for Jehovah's Witnesses, big bonfires, or they would rent out this, you know, big building, and they would play pop music, and that was pretty forbidden. I can't believe they got away with that. At one point, they played an unedited version of Usher's song, Yeah. Imagine that shit. Oh, my God. Usher saying, Yeah, yeah. With uh, Lil John, yeah. So anyway, they weren't. They were. Uh, they were kind of on the downswing in their Jehovah's Witness career. Needless to say, but they always try. They always encourage you to do things with other Jehovah's Witnesses. That's the important part. And one more thing I want to add. At one point, when I was a young Jehovah's Witness, there was an elder who was coming over to my house and hanging out with my family, and we were all really, really big Star Wars fans, right? We fucking loved Star Wars. My dad had every version of Star Wars on VHS since the dawn of time. So anyways, this elder would come over and play Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with us. And it came to the point where the elder body in the congregation told him he couldn't be an elder anymore if he continued playing Star Wars-related games. He wasn't allowed to play Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with us. Imagine that shit. That's pretty sad, right? I don't know if it was because he was getting too absorbed in it. I don't know if it was because it was, you know, he liked his hobby more than Jehovah or something, or if it's just a problem with Star Wars or what. But they told him he wasn't allowed to come play Trivial Pursuit with us. And that was pretty fucking devastating to my family at that time because, you know, we were kind of the outcast in the congregation. I was actually talking to somebody from my congregation, contacted me a little while back, told me that he just left the religion and he just found out that I am also an ex-Jehovah's Witness, so he wanted to get a hold of me. And I was talking to him about what it was like growing up in that congregation and everything, you know. And I was telling him, you know, the elders didn't do anything when my dad was being abusive, like, kind of fucked up. Like, they didn't believe me. And the guy said, no, they knew. They believed you. They knew what was happening. They just didn't do anything about it. And they told your mom to go back to him. And I was like, how, how did they know? Like, why do you say that? And he said, because when my dad was, okay, so my dad was handicapped when I was growing up, quote unquote. That's what he used to say. He, he was disabled. He's in a wheelchair. 
Turns out he wasn't at all. He lied for 11 years, but that's a story for another day. So we would get on the call-in system. You know, we would call in on the phone and we would sit there and listen to the meeting and everything. I guess they hadn't worked out all the bugs on the call-in phone because um, my dad forgot to mute it one time. And during the meeting, he started screaming at us and being abusive and stuff. And it came in through the microphones, like in front of the whole Kingdom Hall during the meeting. This guy that I grew up with told me about this just a few months ago for the first time in 20 years. Imagine that shit. Oh my God. That is some cringy shit right there. Finding out that, you know, you were the victim of abuse that the entire congregation heard. Holy fucking shit. Oh my God. That's some shit, man. Anyway, I just wanted to tell that story because looking back on it now, totally different situation than when I was in it at the time, you know? It's not as painful or damaging or depressing anymore. It's just really cringy now to know that that's what happened. Hey, Owen, this is Jordan up in South Carolina. Uh, I had noticed in a couple of your videos previously, you mentioned that you had a bit of a struggle with different drugs and substance abuse issues. I just want to send you some congratulations on staying clean, man. I'm also a uh, recovering addict myself. As of January 1st, I hit 12 years off of opiates. Just wanted to uh, send you some congratulations. Say to keep your nose clean, man. Keep at it. Thanks for everything you do. I appreciate that for real. Yeah, I was an addict for years, for a couple of years. I was addicted to OxyContin and then to heroin. It was a long, hard struggle getting out of that world. I think one of the hardest things I had to do was to stop talking to those people. Just cut them out of my life completely, you know? And when I eventually did that, some of the dealers that I dealt with called me once a month, like clockwork. Hey, man, you know, we got to get something together. We got to make some money. We got to work together again. What's up? And I just tell, you know, I'm trying to get my head clean. I'm trying to get my head straight or whatever. And uh, then we'd hang up a month later, right there again. He'd call me back up. It was very difficult getting out of that world. Very difficult. But it's been about eight years for me now. So I've made it through. I made it to the other side. I'm here, and I am now officially a tax-paying, contributing member of society. A long, hard struggle, but here I am. So I appreciate the congratulations, and congratulations to you, too, for getting yourself out of that world, because I know how difficult it is. Let's take a look at Super Chats now. You apparently can have more weed than soda in New York City, although I heard they might have rescinded that. Yeah, I think that they rescinded the Big Gulp thing. That was a stupid fucking idea in the first place, you know? But that's one of those ridiculous regulations that I don't respect at all. Telling people they're not allowed to have Big Gulps. Don't tell me what to drink. Anyways, yeah, weed is legal now officially in New York City. Pretty cool. I don't smoke weed. I used to. You know, I mean, I was an addict. I just talked about that. So I've certainly smoked weed, but I, I don't anymore. It's just not my thing. I feel like it kind of fogs my brain too much, and I can't get anything done, and it drives me nuts. It used to be a different situation when I was younger. Next, we're going to talk about Josh Duggar facing 40 years in prison for a recent indictment. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media. Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The first article I wanted to talk about pertains to Josh Duggar. Now, I don't, I'm sure you guys have probably heard about this by now, but I'll just spoil it for you. Josh Duggar has been indicted on crimes that will add up to about 40 years in jail. I think the title of this video alludes to that fact. So leading up to the story that we're going to cover, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of information on the Duggars and who they are and what it's all about. 
We're going to read a story on the Washington Post about the Duggars titled The Duggars' Dangerous Cult of Purity. Before we read it, I just want to explain who they are. I'm sure you guys have probably heard of the show 19 Kids and Counting. It started out as like 17 Kids and Counting, then 18 Kids and Counting, 19, 20 Kids and Counting, or something like that. It eventually got canceled because Josh Duggar got in some deep legal shit, or that was uncovered, basically. Josh Duggar turns out to be a really, really bad person. But the show was about this ultra-conservative family who doesn't believe in birth control. Like, ultra-conservative Christian family. Uh, The father of the whole family actually ran for Congress in Arkansas. That's where they live. I'm not sure if he was... uh, member of the House of Representatives, or if he was a senator, and I'm not sure if it was state or federal. I believe it was state, but the point is, he was a politician in Arkansas, and this whole TV show was all about his gigantic fucking 20-person family, basically. Like, 18 kids to 20 kids. His wife never took birth control a day in her life, and they just kept popping out kids, popping out kids. They're part of a movement called the Quiverful Movement, I don't know that Quiverful specifically is a cult. I think it's more of like an ideology or a movement than a cult. But you find a lot of ultra-conservative Christian cults are also Quiverful. They kind of go hand-in-hand a lot of the time. Anyways, let's give this article a read. It's by Alexandra Petri on the Washington Post. Title is The Duggar's Dangerous Cult of Purity. In A Love That Multiplies, Michelle Duggar, which is the mother, recounts a story that her husband told his older children, to explain the importance of purity, quote-unquote. Imagine that your parents are going to surprise you and give you a brand new bike for Christmas. Two weeks before Christmas, they buy your bike and hide it in a storage shed in the backyard. But then the boy next door sneaks into the shed and borrows your new bike. He stunt rides it up and down the back alley. On Christmas morning, your parents lead you to the shed to reveal the special gift they bought for you, and as they open the door and say surprise, they're just as surprised as you are. You're all shocked to see that the bike looks like it's been thrown off a cliff. The front fender is missing. The front Do, do bikes have fenders? The front tire is warped, so it rubs on the frame. It's dirty, the paint is all scratched and chipped, and the seat has a big rip in it. It looks worse than something you would have bought at a garage sale. I'm sure you'd still be grateful for the bike, and you'd have fun riding it, but it won't be in the condition your parents had hoped and dreamed it would be when you received it. You would miss out on a lot of the enjoyment that they meant for you to have. In that same way, we don't want any boy or girl to come in and steal your purity. Fascinating that they're comparing purity, quote-unquote, to something that you ride, right? A bicycle. They're comparing virginity to (laughs) riding a bike. Oh my god. That's a terrible comparison. When it comes to virginity, I'm sure you'd still be grateful and you would have fun riding it, but it won't be in the condition your parents had hoped and dreamed. Oh my God, this is so fucking terrible. Purity culture is toxic as shit. And uh, for the record, I have talked about the Duggars on my main channel before, so if you're curious about what I had to say, I did a lot of research into them. So take a look at it and see what I found. Uh, it, it's a little bit of an older video, I think maybe six months to a year, but it still holds up, I think. Anyway, let's keep reading. Note the emphasis. The onus to protect your purity is on you. If someone steals your purity, you are a ruined bicycle with warped tires and ripped seats. Your value has been stolen. Your parents' dreams are ruined. You're used and cheap and valueless. That's how the Duggars view it. But hearing this story now, knowing that Duggar's son Josh has apologized amid allegations that he molested several young girls as a minor is especially sickening. Yeah, this information came out, uh, what, I mean, this article was written in 2015, May 22nd, 2015. It's an older article. This information came out forever ago, that Josh Duggar was a child molester, basically. I mean, we've known about this for a long time. In fact, that's why they canceled the Duggars TV show, 19 Kids and Counting, because of that allegation. And it wasn't just an allegation. They, they were convictions. He was convicted on this. And nobody did shit. This dude had complete access to his sister's bedrooms, unfettered access to his sister's bedrooms, after they found out that he was a pedophile. He continued to have access, even after. These people are fucking 
disgusting that they would do something like this, allow this guy to have access. And in a minute, we're going to talk about the repercussions of that. Like I said, he's facing 40 years in jail on new charges. Whatever happened after this article was written on, in 2015, that's on the rest of them too, not just Josh. It's not the only thing Jim Bob preached. Oh yeah, Jim Bob is the father, and Michelle is the mother of the whole family. Michelle writes on, Another story Jim Bob shares starts with a disgusting image. What if we were at a meeting with about 100 other people and the speaker asked that a large cup be passed around and that everyone spit in the cup? What if you happened to be all the way in the back, the last person on the last row, and when the cup finally came to you, the speaker asked you to drink out of the cup? What would you do? That's what it's like if you have intimate physical relations with several partners. Physical relations outside marriage promote venereal disease, cervical cancer, and a host of other problems. My God, these people are completely fucking disgusting. God can forgive any wrong choices a person is willing to confess and forsake, but there are still painful consequences to be endured, end quote. This is back to the writer of the Washington Post article. Certainly for the person who now thinks of him or herself as a cup full of spit, and that's just scratching the surface. The Duggars built their brand on slavish dedication to ideals of modesty and purity, keeping their children away from unwholesome influences, even to the point of shouting Nike when the family was out for a walk in the presence of a woman who was immodestly attired in order to get them to stare at their shoes. Women must be modest and godly and pure to attract a godly man. This is where their value lies. Chaperones, courtship, side hugs only even hand-holding is off the table. Yeah, they're not allowed to hug other people. Only side hug. They, these people are beyond just your standard average cult. These people are completely over the deep end. And you know what? It was TLC. That's who it was. That's the cable network that aired this show, TLC. And they fed into it too. They idealized this way of life, said they're so good. They're such good Christians. They're good people. It's an unusual lifestyle, but it's a respectable one. That's what TLC was trying to communicate. And it, it fucking disgusts me. There's nothing good about this lifestyle. It's evil, the way these people, the, the personalities that these people have, the way that they act, the way that they think. This is fucking disgusting, what they say and do. And, and we'll get into more of it in a minute. Let's continue. The revelation of Josh Duggar's molestation allegations is about more than hypocrisy. And remember, this is a six-year-old article. Six years old. This is not new. They have known about this guy, Josh Duggar, doing this shit for a minimum of six years. That's how long the public has known about it. You know the family knew something or, or had some kind of concerns or some hint or something leading up to that. The revelation of Josh Duggar's molestation allegations is about more than hypocrisy. It, this is no occasion for glee. This is a reminder of how badly the cult of purity lets victims down. Once you open the door to being alone and enter into a physical relationship before marriage, kissing, touching, physical intimacy, you are allowing your partner to unwrap a precious special gift that God intended you to hold on to until your wedding day, and you're, and you're also creating a lot of guilt and distrust and you won't be able to fully enjoy the pleasure of the sin because all of the guilt it brings. The eldest four Duggar daughters in Growing Up Duggar, it's all about relationships. The viewpoint on the world is heartbreaking and disgusting. It's so fucking sad. This is a cult. Absolutely no question about it. And I encourage you guys, after this clip, to watch the video I did on my main channel about the Duggars. In fact, I'll link it in the description of this and the pinned comment, so take a look at it when this is over and, uh, and see what the Duggars are all about because it's pretty fucked up. Let's keep reading. Elizabeth Smart. You guys remember Elizabeth Smart, right? She was that girl who was kidnapped when she was 12, I think, or so, and she was kept away from it for like four years or something and brutally mistreated in brutal and disgusting ways. Finally was returned home and her captors were arrested. Elizabeth Smart has spoken eloquently about this. She too grew up in a religious household where I was taught that sex only happened between a married man and a woman. 
After that rape, I felt so dirty. Can you imagine going back into a society where you are no longer of value, where you're no longer as good as anybody else? A teacher had likened women to chewed pieces of gum, and the image stuck with her. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm that chewed up piece of gum. Nobody rechews a piece of gum. You throw it away. And that's how easy it is to feel like you no longer have worth. You no longer have value. Why would it even be worth screaming out? Why would it even make a difference if you're rescued? Your life still has no value. When a woman's value lies in her purity, victims are victimized twice. Couldn't agree more. But it's more than that. When all sexuality is a sin, when even holding hands is off limits, there isn't a clear line between permissible healthy forms of exploration and acts that are impermissible to anyone, not just a particularly devout. This gospel of shame and purity has the potential to be incredibly harmful because it does away with important lines. Studies not only suggest that abstinence-only approaches to sex education do nothing to increase the incidence of sexual behaviors, but also that they can make them riskier and that they deprive kids of the vocabulary they need to discuss when bad things happen. Pathios blogger Libby Ann writes, Handling child molestation as sin rather than addressing the psychology behind it is a serious problem. In their statements to People, the Duggars spoke of Josh's past wrongdoing as past teenage mistakes, quote-unquote, and spoke of growing closer to God through it. But it appears that Josh never had legitimate counseling or treatment to work through his problem. Some sexual things are normal for a teen to do, but other sexual things are not typical behavior, like molesting children, and those things need to be addressed professionally rather than simply as sin issues. Failing to do so places other children at risk. The whole post is worth a read. Yeah, Josh Duggar was actually sent to a conversion camp, apparently, supposedly, after this article came out, 2015, and all of the allegations surfaced. And they weren't just allegations, they were convictions. Somebody uncovered his expunged record. He got convicted of crimes from when he was a kid, like between the ages of like 10 and 16, And he got charged for what he was doing at like 16 years old. And since he was a juvenile, his record was sealed and expunged. But that was uncovered. After being convicted, the news found records of it and blew it wide open, basically. So these aren't allegations. These are facts. After he got convicted of that, the Duggars sent him to like a conversion therapy type of thing, some Christian bullshit, instead of actual psychologists, and look where we are. That brings us to our next story, Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website. Josh Duggar faces 40 years in jail for receiving and possessing child porn. This is the, the direct result of him uh, of his misdeeds. They believe that it was taken care of because it was a sin, not a crime. And his sin has been forgiven. Originally, when this story broke that Josh Duggar was in trouble, we didn't know what it was for. It was a sealed indictment. They weren't really telling us. But we've finally found out. There was a lot of speculation. People wondered if it was like a tax fraud type of situation with his business or or his like his dad's business or whatever. Nobody knew. We had no idea. Everyone was speculating. Except for me. I don't speculate. (laughs) So... The information finally came out, as Hemant Mehta says here. It wasn't about a shady real estate deal or tax fraud after all. Josh Duggar, the Christian reality TV star best known for molesting his younger sisters, was arrested yesterday for exactly the reason everyone feared, receipt and possession of child porn. According to the indictment released publicly today, a grand jury agreed that Duggar in 2019 knowingly possessed material that contained images of CP including images of minors under the age of 12. That is fucking horrific. He only has 40 years. That means he can get out on parole in 20. Duggar faces up to 40 years in prison, or as some on Twitter Riley joked, 19 years and counting. He pleaded not guilty to both charges. That's just what you do. You just plead not guilty to start until you get a deal or something. The family responded with a short statement to Us Weekly that doesn't deny anything. Quote, The accusations brought against Joshua today are very serious. It's our prayer that the truth, no matter what it is, will come to light and that this will all be resolved in a timely manner. We love Josh and Anna 
and continue to pray for their family. Anna is Josh Duggar's wife. I, I can't even imagine how she feels through all of this. Although I have to say, honestly, I think she's at least partially responsible. She should have known some of this shit, right? Who knows? Maybe she was the one that reported it to the police. We don't know. We don't know. I'm not going to blame Anna right now because I don't know where she stands in all of this. We'll see. I should point out that while the Department of Justice's tweet pointing to the charges remains up, the press release with the details has been taken down from their website. It's not clear why. Making matters even worse, we learned last week that the Duggar was expecting his seventh child with his wife, Anna. Holy shit, seven children. His actions appear to finally be catching up with him. Charges were never filed against Duggar, one of the one of TLC's 19 kids and counting, and the former executive director of Family Research Council's FRC Action, after we learned in 2015 that he'd been accused of the forcible fondling of four of his sisters and another girl, all underage, sev several years earlier. There's something broken in this guy's brain, man. Something broken in this guy's brain. And aside from that, I didn't realize he was the executive director of the Family Research Council. Family Research Council is big. I've talked about some of the people associated with it on this channel before. I think Tony Perkins, for example, is one of the lawyers for the Family Research Council. I could have that wrong, so fact check me, and I'll pin the comment to the top if I am. But Family Research Council is a pretty big deal. Subsequent reporting confirmed the allegations, and the show was eventually canceled, though some spinoffs with other Duggar children continued to air. Duggar also checked into a Christian rehab center months later after an adult film star said he'd paid her for rough sex. Oh yeah, that's something else I don't think that this article mentions, but he was not only all that, but also, you guys remember that Ashley Madison leak like forever ago? Ashley Madison's that website you can go to to basically commit adultery with other people. It's like that dating website for married people where they're trying to cheat on their husbands or their wives or whatever, that, that's ashleymadison.com. And there's a gigantic leak, and they release the names of all of the people. And lo and behold, whose fucking name is on that list? Josh Duggar. Josh Duggar was a member of Ashley Madison cheating on his wife. How did Anna stick around for all this, honestly? She probably felt trapped in it. She probably felt she had no option. Because she's a Christian woman. And a Christian woman stands by her man no matter what. How fucking sad is that? Here's the biggest kicker of them all. In 2014, his mother Michelle Duggar was the voice of a robocall that went out to voters in Fayetteville, Arkansas, about a proposed LGBTQ non-discrimination ordinance. She urged people to contact local officials so that they would vote against it. Her reasoning? Trans people would hurt their kids. I have the clip, so let's give it a listen and see what she said on this robocall. Hello, this is Michelle Duggar. I'm calling to inform you of some shocking news that will affect the safety of Northwest Arkansas women and children. The Fayetteville City Council is voting on an ordinance this Tuesday night that would allow men, yes, I said men, to use women's and girls' restrooms, locker rooms, showers, sleeping areas, and other areas that are designated for females only. I don't believe the citizens of Fayetteville would want males with past child predator convictions. Okay, I gotta stop it there. I'm sorry. I find it fascinating that she's automatically... She's talking about trans people here, if you guys didn't pick that up. That's what she's doing. She's talking about trans people. She's saying they're about to vote on a bill that would allow trans people to use the bathroom that they're comfortable with. I'm all for it, 100%. They should be able to do that, right? Well, she says... We don't want males with a record of, uh, what was it? We would want males with past child predator convictions. Males with past child predator convictions? Like her son? Is that the type of person she's talking about? No, trans people don't have past child predator convictions on their record by default. That's not something that happens the moment you come out as trans. Suddenly you're a child predator. That's... Complete disgusting bullshit propaganda. Horrific propaganda that this person was spreading in the form of a robocall. But the sick irony behind all of this is the fact that her son turns out to be like this. Her son turned out to do this shit. Let's keep listening. That claim they are female to have a legal right to enter private areas reserved for women and girls. I doubt 
that Fayetteville parents would stand for a law that would endanger their daughters or allow them to be traumatized by a man joining them in their private space. We should never place the preference of an adult over the safety and innocence of a child. See, the automatic assumption is that trans people are dangerous. You're automatically assuming that every trans person in existence is a danger to society and they don't deserve to be in it. It's not about preference of an adult over the safety of a child. Safety isn't involved in this at all. They're just people. There's nothing dangerous about anybody else. Trans rights are human rights. This is just fucking disgusting, dude. Just keep listening. Parents, who do you want undressing next to your daughter at the public swimming pool's private changing area? I still believe that we are a society that puts women and children first. Women, young ladies, and little girls deserve to use the restroom in any other women's facility in peace and safety. Will you speak up for protecting women and children? Call 575. What a fucking monster, dude. What a fucking monster. These are the two, by the way. Jim Bob Duggar and Michelle Duggar. Those are the two people. Ultra right-wing conservative Christian nutcases. Let's keep reading this article. Turns out the biggest threat to children wasn't a transgender person at all. It was her own son, whom she raised with conservative Christian values. How's that for irony? A member of the nation's most famous quiverful family could be found guilty of a crime that would prevent him from being around children. Looks like the family's biggest critics were right about him all along. I do wonder if he's going to end up going back to the house or if he's going to like make bail and go home. I wonder if the wife will even have him now. I don't fucking know. I'm just glad that he's finally facing repercussions for his disgusting behavior. A lot of this stuff that he did was committed uh, when he was a minor under the age of 18, and he was convicted for it as a juvenile, which means his record's sealed after 18 years old. Nobody can even find out about it. But we did find out about it eventually in 2015 or somewhere in there, and all hell broke loose. Now we're finding out, finally, that he was in possession of some pretty fucked up stuff, and he faces 40 years for it, and I couldn't possibly be happier about that fact. Society will be a little bit safer for the next 20 to 40 years, hopefully. Joe LaFaro, Anna's brother, wanted to take Josh apart. Anna's brother wanted... Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. Anna being Josh Duggar's wife. Uh, so Josh Duggar's wife's brother. Josh Duggar's brother-in-law wanted to take Josh apart. I fucking bet he did. Oh, my God. That is some serious shit, man. That's no joke. I feel like we should be working on fixing the problem rather than punishing people, though, in the prison system, you know? But what do you do when you have somebody who has this, this problem? What, what do we do with Josh? In an ideal world, let's say Josh Duggar, we don't want him to be a drain on our system, right? And, and I also don't believe in the death penalty because, well, for one thing, he hasn't even been sentenced to the death penalty, so that doesn't apply anyways. So in an ideal world, what would happen with Josh? Josh Duggar. It's been made clear to me, and, and certainly many other people, that he's not going to stop, right? He spent, you know, his first 18 years doing this. That's why he has convictions under his belt. And, and he's still doing it. How do we fix this problem? Being a drain on societal resources is not going to solve the problem. I don't want my money, my tax money that I'm paying to the government to go into feeding him day in and day out. I'd rather him make his own money. I am of the opinion currently, willing to be convinced otherwise, that maybe the best way for Josh's situation, a serial offender, is to give him medicine that destroys his sex drive, destroys his libido completely, just erases it from existence. And if we can't depend on the medicine, then physically give him surgery. Give him the option. He can either take medicine, get the surgery, or stay in prison for the rest of his life. One of those three things. Like I said, I'm not convinced of that position. I'm willing to hear other sides of the argument or whatever, but it feels to me that he could be out and paying taxes and not have any balls 
or he could sit in prison while I pay for his dinner every night. So I don't know. I, I would just have to think about it a little bit more. Next, we're going to talk about fake news about Hillary Clinton's demise. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is actually a fake news story, but it was so fascinating to read, I felt like I couldn't pass up the opportunity. So there's this article or this website called realrawnews.com, and over the past couple of weeks, they wrote these articles about Hillary Clinton going through a military tribunal, being convicted, and then her subsequent hanging. And it was extremely fascinating to read because there is zero fact to be found in any of this. It's completely fabricated, but people believed it, sadly. So I figured that we would read this article. The title of this one is Clinton Military Tribunal, Day 5 Conviction. And there's another article that's titled Hillary Clinton Hanged at Gitmo. I don't know if we'll get time to read both of them, but I figured we'd read the day five conviction one. Remember, completely fabricated, zero facts to be found in this. Let's give it a read. A military tribunal on Thursday convicted former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton on charges of murder, conspiracy to commit murder, accessory to murder, child trafficking, endangering a minor, treason, and sedition. It's weird that they would convict her of treason because the definition of treason is, here's the constitutional definition of treason. Treason against the U.S. shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. I find it really strange that they would, you know, try Hillary for treason, quote unquote, supposedly. Uh, like I said, it's completely fabricated anyways, but I digress. Let's keep reading. The two male, one female panel of officers cast a unanimous verdict shortly after Vice Admiral John G. Hannock, who prosecuted the military's case against Clinton, showcased his final witness for the prosecution, Clinton's former strategist and lover, Huma Abedin. Okay, now let me explain who this person is, Huma Abedin, and why this is important. In case you haven't picked up on this yet, this is a QAnon news website, if you will. Um, the reason it, I say that it's QAnon is because there's a QAnon uh, conspiracy, basically, that you guys remember Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner was that like congressman who got in a whole bunch of trouble for sending dick pics to people, and he actually sent a dick pic to the wrong person, and I believe he got arrested for it. Anyways, he's not a senator, or he, anyway, as far as I know, he's not a congressman anymore. So after they arrested him, the claim by QAnon is they went into his house and they found his laptop, which had a video of Huma Abedin, which is this person on screen right here on the left, Huma Abedin, and Hillary Clinton. They had a video of those two Oh, God, I clicked a button. Hey, quit that, you. She's getting all on my green screen. No. Supposedly, they had a video on Anthony Weiner's laptop of these two people here, take like, okay, taking the face off of a kid while they were still alive, and they were doing it that way because they wanted the adrenaline to pump through their blood so that they could drink the blood and get the adrenochrome out of it. it. Complete bullshit from top to bottom, okay? It doesn't work that way. That never happened. The video doesn't even exist. It's just fabricated, completely fabricated. The reason Anthony Weiner had that video on his laptop, supposedly, is because Huma Abedin was married to Anthony Weiner. They were husband and wife for a while. I don't know if they still are or not. Probably not. 
anyways, that's the claim, the QAnon claim, that this laptop had this video on there. And that led to a bunch of claims by QAnon that, you know, there's a child ring, a trafficking ring, uh, where they torture people so that they get their adrenaline pumping through their blood and then they drink their blood to stay young. It's completely batshit crazy. Like, completely batshit crazy. Not linked to reality in any way, shape, or form. But anyways, that's why they're talking about Huma Abedin. That's who that is. And I noticed they said Clinton's former strategist and lover. Fascinating they threw that lover bit in there. I They've never had a relationship as far as I know. Anyway, let's keep reading this fake news article. In exchange for leniency and a plea deal, Abedin testified she and Clinton had shared underage children with her estranged ex-husband, Anthony Weiner. Pressed to clarify her definition of the word shared, Abedin qualified her answer by saying she had practiced lewd and lascivious behavior on underprivileged minors Clinton had imported into the United States. American children, Vice Admiral Hennick asked. Yes, but not primarily. They're too easy to track. More often than not, from poor countries, Abedin replied. Oh my God. Again, this is playing into the whole, the government's tracking us thing. They're too easy to track. This is fucking ridiculous, dude. Would you tell this tribunal how you appropriated these children? Vice Admiral Hannick asked. Hillary used her government credentials. She had carte blanche as a secretary of state, former secretary of state, and former first lady. It was easy for her to bring orphaned children in from places like, say, Syria, Afghanistan, or Iraq. No one asked questions. No one to look for them, Abedin replied callously. God, this is just terrible fan fiction. Asked to quantify her exploits, Abedin said she couldn't count the number of underage boys and girls Clinton had brought to the U.S. under the pretense of providing them with a fruitful life. But she told the tribunal there had been many, most of whom were later sold or donated to influential members of the Clinton cabal. Oh my God. Who are the people, Vice Admiral Hannick asked. We never knew exactly. It's not like Hillary peddled them herself. She had someone handle that, and I don't know the person's name, Abedin replied. This is so ridiculous. And yet she still refuses to speak, Vice Admiral Hannick observed. He asked the tribunal whether they had heard enough, and the military had presented overwhelming evidence of Clinton's atrocities against the U.S. and humankind. Unlike a conventional criminal trial, he reminded the commission a unanimous verdict was not needed to convict Clinton on any of the charges. A majority vote, he said, would satisfy justice. The tribunal arrived a guilty verdict after deliberating only five minutes. They found Clinton guilty on all charges the military had laid out. The murders of Seth Rich, Vince Foster, and Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. Trafficking and abusing minors from Haiti and other third world nations conspiring to assassinate a presidential candidate. Conspiring to assassinate? I don't know that one. And also, I don't know about the Scalia uh, conspiracy or the Seth Rich or Vince Foster conspiracies. I should probably know the Seth Rich one because that one's really, really familiar. As she had throughout the tribunal, Clinton stayed eerily silent as the verdict was read and the officers recommended she receive the death penalty for her crimes. Vice Admiral Hannick asked Clinton if she had preference in how the military carried out her sentence, but still she refused to speak. You refused counsel, you refused to defend yourself. This tribunal therefore decides that the defendant, detainee Hillary Rodham Clinton, be hanged by the neck until dead. Vice Admiral Hannick said flatly, the sentence will be carried out on April 26th after taps. Huma Abedin, which again is Anthony Weiner's ex, will face her own military tribunal at a date yet to be decided, RRN has learned. Real Raw News has learned, right, has learned. But one of the more fascinating things about this whole thing was the comments. I read through some of these comments, and they were a fucking trip, man. Will any MSM report on this after the event transpires? Can you indicate any plan for a reveal to the general public? No, MSM will not say anything about this. Why would they? They're as guilty of treason as she and they certainly have done nothing to inform Americans of any truthful happenings, have they? I hope and pray that someone got to her with Jesus Christ's offer of forgiveness. As horrendous as her situation was, I have to think that we really are in the political, social, and economic mess we're in because we didn't broadcast the word of God as ought to have done. There are some other comments on the Hillary Clinton hanged at Gitmo story. Let me read the first paragraph. 
Scrambled eggs with jalapeno peppers and a strawberry milkshake, the last meal of the condemned. They even made up her last meal. Who knows if she even likes this stuff. Hillary Rodham Clinton was hanged at Guantanamo Bay Monday night, her death the culmination of an operation that began on March 2nd when U.S. Navy SEALs on Donald J. Trump's authority. Again, really? Donald Trump's authority? He's not even the president anymore. He's nothing. He's a private citizen now. On Donald Trump's authority, arrested the disgraced politician at her Chappaqua, New York mansion. After a five-day tribunal at the world's most infamous detention center, a three-officer panel found Clinton guilty of murder, accessory to murder, treason, child trafficking, and other high crimes. Clinton, who had refused counsel, had uttered nary a word throughout the proceedings and had taken Vice Admiral John G. Hannock's sentence of death with an unflinching gaze. I read the whole thing. It goes on to say she, you know, threatens the guards at Guantanamo Bay threatened their families, all kinds of nonsense. But I really wanted to read some of these messages, some of these comments here. I never thought we'd be rid of that horrifying female. Too bad Bill is too old and feeble to enjoy his freedom. Oh my God. Bill Clinton, all in caps, of course. Bill Clinton's already with her in hell, having a party with their god Satan. What was executed was an official execution of a clone. The way I understand, both of them were executed in... 2919? I assume they mean 2019. Barack Obama was also executed with his trans husband. After Obama threw his trans husband under the bus to gain leniency, but he blew it and was immediately taken back to Gitmo, and they blew the back of his small pea brain while his trans was executed by injection. This is insane. Same with the half-breed German-Jewish clan of the Bush family of traitors. My understanding is also that all of them have already been executed for public consumption. They might execute the clones later. Reason is that many sleeping sheep loved these traitors, and what the Alliance is trying to do is avoid any chances for public revolution until they let the world know by way of emergency broadcast channel what has been happening in the shadows for more than 60 years. This stuff sounds like the ravings of a madman wearing tinfoil on his head. That's not it. This is entirely too popular. Tens of millions of members of QAnon believe this stuff. I talked to uh, Chris Shelton about his estimates for how big QAnon is. He's looking into it, and he will give me his opinion on how big it is. My opinion, based on two studies from Pew Research Center and another one, is that QAnon is about... 20 to 22 million people. 20 to 22 million. That's more Mormons than there are in the world. That's more Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses worldwide combined. QAnon is fucking huge. And this is a really, really popular belief in QAnon. What we just read. This is from Greater Idaho for Trump. Please, please destroy her DNA. Don't risk cloning. Read what David Icke says about royal families have been cloning their dead for centuries. Burial at sea. Not even a tooth left from cremation. Somebody responded, don't be stupid. Only God can make human beings. Someone else said she wasn't human. No, she was a human reptilian. Do your research. Clones aren't exactly human. Exactly. That's what I replied back to Diana Barahona. Apparently, she hasn't dig in to know the truth. Wait until everything comes out. After the EBS, we will be shown 10 days of true facts and the evidence to the world, not just us. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do about this problem? No joke. This is tens of millions of people. Tens of millions of people in the United States. 22 million people? Do you, know how me- Do you know what percentage of the U.S. that is if it's 22 million people? 7% of the United States. 7% of the United States believes this shit. That should be fucking scary. We have got to figure out how to deal with this problem as a society because it is not going away. Next, we're going to talk about Michelle Bachman's vendetta against Biden. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. 
The next article I wanted to talk about is about Michelle Bachman. Okay, so you guys probably re remember Michelle Bachman's response to the election results throughout the entirety of the last eight months or so. She completely disintegrated. But I figured we'd start out with a clip from her claiming that God is going to make Donald Trump the winner of the 2020 election. Let's start here. And then we'll move forward to her reaction and now how she feels about it. Because she just released a brand new clip about this like a couple days ago. So let's watch this first clip by Michelle Bachman, see what she had to say. This is pre-election. Well, you know, it was said just before that we had a crucial moment four years ago when the intercessors in the prayer room down at KCM Ministries took to heart the different notes that we passed in to pray. And I think that we're at that moment now where the beauty of this show is that it's interactive. And all of our viewers who are watching, we need them. The body of Christ needs them. Intercessory prayer is the idea that you can pray for somebody or something, pray on their behalf, and God will fulfill your wishes. So Michelle Bachman's election strategy going into 2020, I guess, was to go on Fox News and as many of these news networks as she could possibly get on and get the entire audience to pray for Donald Trump to win. That was the goal. And she succeeded in that goal of getting people to pray for it. So naturally, that means he's going to win, right? Let's keep watching. And we all need to join in with the intercessors that are praying even now. And what I would say is that God has already sealed the results of this election. He has sealed it in heaven. There you go. That's her claiming that God sealed the results. Trump was going to win the election, according to Michelle Bachman. God has sealed the results. So what happened after he lost? Let's watch this clip from Michelle Bachman. I ask, oh God, that you would take your iron rod and I ask that you would smash the clay jar of deceit in America. I love it. She's completely melting down on air. She posted this to Twitter, I think, or something like that. This is embarrassing. This is real fucking embarrassing. In America, smash the clay jar of delusion in the United States of America. Smash the delusion, Father, of Joe Biden as our president. He is not. Yeah. Would you take your iron rod and smash the strong delusion that Nancy Pelosi does have her House of Representatives? We don't know that. Smash it in Jesus' name. Smash, Lord, the takeover of the U.S. Senate by Chuck Schumer. Lord, smash it with your iron rod. That's, that happened, I guess. This poor woman is an embarrassment to herself and everybody around her. Honestly, I really feel bad for her that, that, that she put this out. But I have to say, it was just endless entertainment watching these people disintegrate after they claimed that God told them that Trump was going to win the election. It was so entertaining to watch them just freak out. Like, they're being forced to face their delusion. They're being forced to recognize the fact that they were full of shit all along. You know, Johnny Enlow and Robin Bullock and Jeff Jansen, the snazzy pastor, Michelle Bachman, all claimed that Trump was going to be president, that God told them that, that Trump was going to be president again. And now Trump's not president. It is so fucking glorious to watch them melt down over this. I'm sorry. I just, I, I get enjoyment out of this. I, I just, I eat it up. That brings us to our next article on rightwingwatch.org, written by Kyle Mantillo. Title is, Michelle Bachman was not impressed by Biden's fake State of the Union address. Let's give the article a read and see what it says. Televangelist Kenneth Copeland's Victory Channel aired a special edition of its Victory News program Wednesday night to coincide with President Joe Biden's speech to a joint session of Congress. 
Former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman was among the commentators who appeared on the program, and she was predictably unimpressed by Biden's speech, calling it cruel, labeling Biden a fake president, and, stay, and saying that the entire thing smacked of the invasion of the zombie apocalypse. Let's give this video a watch and see what she said in it. Remember, this aired at the same time as Joe Biden's speech to a joint session of Congress. Basically, the State of the Union address, but they don't always call it the State of the Union, necessarily. In this case, Biden decided to call it the joint session, uh, the speech to a joint session of Congress. That's really the only difference. It's basically the exact same thing. Let's listen to uh, what Bachman had to say about it. American people have been saying, where's the State of the Union speech? And Joe Biden hasn't given a State of the Union speech. They've made it very clear. To this basically was the State of, Un of the Union speech. Are you saying just because he didn't name it the State of the Union speech, that means it isn't a State of the Union speech? Like He can call it whatever he fucking wants. Why does it matter what it's titled? It basically was the State of the Union. It was around the same time that it usually is, and it had all the same information that a State of the Union address would normally have. Night is not a State of the Union speech. It's a speech to a joint session of Congress. So because of the, there's an absence of the people who run this country in this chamber, they want to make it look like it's the State of the Union, but it really isn't. So they, they could have just named it the State of the Union if they wanted. What's the fucking difference? This is bizarre. Why is she getting all hung up on this? Is it because she's having trouble dealing with the fact that she was wrong? That she lied? That God didn't really tell her? She had zero confidence in reality that God was going to make Trump the president for another four years? Is that why she's digging this stupid fucking hole for herself? Trying to appease the press by saying, look, our guy can give a speech in the chamber too, but they really don't want him to be held accountable. So be held accountable for what? What, what does that even mean? Be held accountable? What is she talking about? What is he supposed to be held accountable for? Joe Biden is the president. He could give a state of the union address if he wanted to. He chose to give a speech to the joint sessions of Congress. I don't understand what the hang-up is here. This is a fake State of the Union speech, just like, in my opinion, we're, what, what we're watching is a coup. It's my opinion that the election was irregular. Uh, we didn't have a true election result. We had a fake election. We've had a fake presidency. This is a... You gotta be fucking kidding me. She is still hung up on this. This clip just came out. I mean, this article released, like, two or three days ago. This is a fucking joke. Fake State of the Union address. So this is the new normal as far as these people are concerned. Well, with all due respect, it was the invasion of the zombie apocalypse as far as I'm concerned. I thought it was just rich. At the very end, President Biden said he's never been more op optimistic and confident. Oh yeah, I, I forgot to mention this, but uh, I don't know if you guys heard, Ted Cruz fell asleep at Biden's speech. I'm sure he did it intentionally because he could use it as a, a propaganda piece, saying that people were falling asleep at the speech or whatever else. It's the perfect opportunity to drum up controversy and propaganda and get yourself a little bit of attention. Fall asleep at the speech. Perfect. Or at least pretend to fall asleep at the speech. Let's keep listening. And you saw people were falling asleep in that chamber. It was probably one of the most sad, depressing speeches i have ever heard it made i wanted to go on youtube and look for a president trump speech to congress so that i could get all pumped up this is such an embarrassment man for the record a large percentage of people who watched biden's uh, address to the joint sessions of congress came out of it optimistic i don't remember so i don't like quoting numbers i feel like i read it was 81 percent. that could be incorrect and if it is Please correct me in the comments and I'll pin it to the top. I believe that it was like 81% of the people who watched the speech felt more optimistic after having watched it than before. That's good news. I didn't actually watch it personally, but I watched highlights and listened to the synopsis and stuff like that. And the things that he had to say, I was a big fan of. I feel like Biden is kind of centrist slash neoliberal or whatever, not progressive enough for me. He's no Bernie Sanders, certainly. 
but um you know credit where credit is due the guy is doing some things that i really like a lot like talking about abolishing private prisons i want to see him follow through with it we'll see he certainly wasn't pumped up on this one. i took all sorts of notes there were all sorts of errors in this thing quite all sorts of errors in this thing this person trump supporter is talking about all sorts of errors in a speech coming from somebody who supported and voted for Trump. They don't have a concept of irony or hypocrisy, do they? ...person this thing. Quite honestly, the word that I have for his speech, it's cruel. What he's intending for the American people, the result is cruel. I don't know... What's cruel? What is she even talking about? I hope she's going to elaborate on this, but I get the distinct impression she's just going to call it cruel with absolutely no supporting examples or evidence. How much time we have, I hope we can talk about it more, but I think one of the most cruel aspects of what he's proposing is snatching three and four-year-olds out of their parents' arms, putting them in government-run uh, preschools. They'll be... What is she talking about? Like, literally nothing that he talked about could possibly be misconstrued to be about this. What is she talking about? In the comments, please explain if I'm missing something, because this is making zero sense to me. But that's not unusual for Michelle Bachman. She kind of comes in, you know, guns blazing and makes zero sense 90% of the time. Putting them in government-run uh, preschools, they'll be learning critical race theory. I've, I've observed this curriculum. I've seen this curriculum that they're planning to use with little free three and four-year-olds. Why would anybody teach three and four-year-olds critical race theory? That is kind of an advanced subject that isn't taught until you're a lot older. From my understanding, critical race theory is basically uh, just a lens through which you view certain academic research. Critical race theory is not evil or bad or racist and shouldn't be removed from anything. It was originally used in law school to look at cases from a different perspective and stuff like that, from my understanding. There's nothing evil or wrong about critical race theory. It's just another buzzword, like socialism, that they like to throw around all willy-nilly and scare people with. That's it. There's nothing bad about it. Planning to use with little free three and four year olds. It's the LGBTQ curriculum. It is the critical race theory. Our little children will be indoctrinated before they even get to kindergarten. Does it get any batshit crazier than this? This woman has deep problems, genuinely, but she's crossing into a new level now. Just like with Johnny Enlow and Robin Bullock and Kat Kerr and all of the others, she's refusing to admit when she's wrong. And it's an embarrassment. Is she ever going to leave delusion land and come back to reality with the rest of us? I doubt it. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.